Before now, in traditional African societies, women were regarded as legal minors and in some cases chattels that can be inherited. Womanhood in traditional Africa is akin to servitude to husbands, relatives and children, but it differs between tribes and society. Some traditional African societies did not have um, women engaged in any form of politics and women could not speak where elders or men were gathered. They were usually seen as an inferior aspect of society. Now, in these societies, women are under the guardianship of their fathers until they go under the guardianship of their husbands. And in cases where a woman falls pregnant before marriage, she may be forced to marry an elderly man and then meted out with um, severe punishment. But the man involved is usually not um, chastised or whatever. Now, this, the society seemed unfair to the, to the legal rights and the equity that women should have, like in the cases of inheritance, where a woman could not inherit anything at all. Some traditional African societies have the women as um, sole providers who engage in farm work, sell the harvested crops, cook food for the family, take care of children, fetch water, and still bear even more children. I mean, um, they still had to have sexual relations with their husbands and the men doing less tasking work. Now, the men enjoyed um, polygamy in such societies, which, which translates to um, more wives, now the more wives you had the more wealth you could acquire because well the women worked the fields they sold you know they sold the goods so the more wives you had the more hands you had and then the more children you had you had more hands to work the fields etc etc now there are also aspects of female genital mutilation now usually to curb the sexual desires of women like really like if excuse me if you've been following this um podcast you'll remember our read in our very first um season with our theme on the mystical and we were reading who fears death and there was a character in the book binta who the, the book had an aspect of female genital mutilations as its focus and there was one of the um children she was 11 who had fgm and then the women who who um who cut her told her that okay this um genital mutilation was to curb sexual desires but this girl had her father raping her before then and even after then they told her that oh your father wouldn't be able to do that now because this protects you but after that her father still did and the women and also the society the town knew but they, they couldn't do anything to tell you how much it wasn't more about the women but about the subjugation it wasn't about the care of the women, but about the subjugation in a male-dominated um, society. Now, there was there's also the aspect of the inheritance of widowed women 
Now, without their consent, women who are widowed can be married off to any relative in the man's um, family. Now, many African societies have evolved, but um, there's still a large number of women who are still subjected to these kinds of treatments. Some African societies still practice the barbaric female genital mutilation, and then there's the general servitude of women and their treatment as lesser members of society. But in history and um, today's news, we have been shown women who have showed that they're much more than chattels or objects that are used for the glorification of the male-dominated society. Many of these women are championing causes for the emancipation and the elevation of the women folk. Women in history that have greatly inspired us and given womanhood um, an elevation include, I'm just going to mention a few because there are so many amazing women in history and um, just a few. These are by far not the most popular or the most liked or or whatever, but these are the ones I've been able to um, research and come up with within a short time. Um, the first on my list is Fumlaya Ransom Kuti. Now, Fumlaya Ransom Kuti um, was an activist and a democratic um, socialist. Her activism led to the creation of the Abel Kuta Women's Union and later the Women's International Democratic Federation. This um, WIDF promoted women's rights to education, employment, and participation in politics. There was even um, um, an account of the women in Abel Kuta, then the Alake of Egba land was imposing tax on women and Fumlaya Kuti led a march of the women to the Aleke's palace that and started to chant um, songs that greatly just said that if the Aleke wanted them to pay taxes then they should be more inclusion they should be included in all aspects of the economic um well-being and growth of um, Abel Kuta at that time. These um, protests kind of led to the abdication, abdication of the king. Um, Fumlaya Ransom Kuti is a very powerful um, activist of that time. Now, it's weird that um, many of our um, history or um, civic education is this civic education we take in Nigeria? Um, most times when Fumlaya Ramsum Kuti is mentioned, they just mention her as the first woman to drive a car. Like, that's the first thing that comes to your mind. But she was much more than a woman who drove a car. She was an activist and a woman's rights advocate. Like, really? First woman to drive a car? Like, really? Anyways, moving on, we have Ya Asantawa. She was like the commander in chief of the Asante War Army. Now they fought against the British um, invasion of the Asante people. Um, she was referred to by the Europeans as the John the Ark of Africa. Now many um, Europeans referred to her as a very great strategist. Like she was really good at war. Although during those times she was not herself involved in war, probably because of the society at that time. I'm not sure, but um the troops that fought fought in her name and they fought in her name and she provided them with gunpowder and war supplies then moving on we had uh miriam akiba 
she, she she's known as the empress of african song and mama africa she was very outspoken and she was a visible opponent to the south african appetite she was involved in civil rights movements and the radical activities that were against the appetite now there was um queen <laughs> queen zinga she was a reformist and she assigned women to important government offices in modern day Angola, what is Angola now, and her council of advisors were filled with women. She, when the Portuguese were trying to invade um, Angola, she negotiated with the Dutch so that the Portuguese wouldn't be able to advance. But later she formed a peace treaty for the benefits of her people um with the portuguese but she refused like to pay homage to the portuguese to the portuguese king at that time now let's um also not forget the women soldiers of dahomey that contributed um to to the stronghold of dahomey in that era they were not afraid they were to conquer kingdoms they were the ones who waged war against kingdoms and conquered them for dahomey and they they were not afraid to tread like dangerous territories there's also um makeda now she is described as the extraordinary leader and the ruler that governed um the very prosperous parts of east africa and southwest asia now she's documented also in the quran she's referred to as bilkis and in the bible she's referred to as the queen of sheba there's also queen amina of zozo like a very fierce warrior who helped current day zaria become a focal point for trade and commercial activities now she also helped to um expand the territory and they even say that like the cultivation of colonists in the area is attributed to her like because of her like conquering and all that that she brought the the cultivation of colonels into the zaria area there's also president elin johnson sirliff she's the first woman to become the president of liberia and the first female president in africa now i could go on and on there are lots more exceptional women who have um dared the status quo and have um, fought for the elevation of the ranks of women in the society and this these women i mentioned are just a small portion like however the, um, um um the advocacy for women's rights and inclusion is still is still very far from done or halfway even but we continue to push new new narratives to offset the old ones yeah like if you um think i missed out some of your favorite women from history or women who are strong enough um send us um a dm on instagram at netgangng or you can tweet at us at netgangng and tell us what you think <laughs> anyways hello i'm zaliha welcome to netgangng a weekly podcast that explores stories in books culture art and from the perspectives of various creatives Welcome to another episode that explores the theme for this season, crime and criminality. We're reading and reviewing as well as giving opinions and nuggets from books that are centered around crime. Our read for the week is The Lazarus Effect by H.J. Golakai. Welcome.
now <laughs> Lazarus effect follows V Johnson an investigative journalist that has PTSD from the civil war in Liberia that um and her assistant Chloe and their chase of a two-year-old cold case of a missing girl in a red woolen hat that has been haunting V in hallucinations. Now, they set out to find the truth of what happens while they uncover a very dark family secret and drama while V puts herself in danger. This type of danger, though, is different from our protagonist in <laughs> our book When Trouble Sleeps as well as Easy Motion Tourist. She just puts herself in dangerous situations. But V, our protagonist in um, H.J. Golakai's um, Lazarus Effect, does not put herself in unwarranted danger. She takes like deductive strides based on the information she has gathered as a de- detective. Now, the author captures Cape Town very well. And she takes us on a journey through like various neighborhoods and various aspects of Cape Town. Now, there's also like a supernatural element in the book because V like she has visions of this particular girl Jackie that um went missing and she not necessarily like Jackie doesn't really give her points or shows her where to go but like haunting her just so you know like please look for my killer or find my body or whatever um so the book the supernatural element does not really overpower the book but you know how much me i like my supernatural elements thank you very much and <laughs> that made this book even all the more interesting although it wasn't like the main focus of the book the main focus of this book was on the crime and the investigation that we did now the book um centers around like really strong women who are audacious and daring <laughs> that is why i went through the entire um aspects of how african women are being portrayed now this book centers on audacious women who are daring in their fields not unlike our own african women heroes now there's b johnson and then there's her um fearless assistant chloe bishop then there's also her boss that's v's boss at the magazine Portia kruger then there's the the girl who is dead a rebe- she's a like a rebellious rebellious very strong-willed um teenager the book is an all-around good read like it doesn't make you tired the author has a sense of humor and which she uses and then there are some other like aspects that you will see in the book that are not really just bits and pieces so that the book is not just so serious all the time but it was an all-around good read now some of the notable quotes from the book are like there was a part where v was um, eating um street food and they said she adored street food the cultural nuances the brazen messiness and flirtation with questionable hygiene how you needed to talk into it with both hands best dining experience ever (laughs) if you're african um or if you know about street food there's something really like yeah the flirtation with questionable hygiene is yeah like you, you you can be taking street food and well you're looking at the um the woman or the man or whoever the vendor selling these um street food and you're like hmm are you sure this person has washed their hands or whatever but you still take it because well they are so so delicious very very they may not necessarily be good for your health but yeah 
their good street food now there's also a part of the book where um it talks about when someone cries for help now the crime this is a quote now crime has desensitized desensitized the nation the neighbors will fasten their locks and send her a prayer now if you are very familiar with crime in nigeria for example or in some parts of africa you know that when your neighbor is 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 crying for help you don't necessarily you can't necessarily help them because even when you say you want to call the police well they might not necessarily answer you either so the the next thing is for you to lock your doors and pray that the, the, the criminals don't even come to your side i remember um a case of armed robbery around one of my the area i used to live in before and these robbers were like going from house to house and robbing homes and even though i did call an emergency um police unit to come to the area they kept saying oh they are on their way they're on their way they didn't these robbers robbed till like morning and these police officers did not get there till after the robbery had taken place like it's a whole lot of mess so most people generally just want to go on their way it's the same thing with when someone is being mugged on the streets of lagos and most people just um look the other way because they don't want to get involved or in the case of street burning for example if if you listen to easy um when trouble sleeps where ada um she she our protagonist she she went to go and interfere in the burning of somebody who was claimed to be a thief and then they put her and all that even when she joined they hit her head and were beating her up until somebody came to like rescue her on the way there's also um a part of the book that talks about race in south africa it says if any white people get hurt everything gets so much worse now it's um south africa being um a population of they have both black people and white people like caucasian descent and black people so um there's a mixture there but then there there's always a disparity between how white people are treated and black people are treated although recently i think i watched a documentary that spoke about the poor um white people which was very weird to see um they were in a place called redemption park i think um they camped there white people who couldn't get jobs in south africa because of the new um affirmative action um so because now there's more focus on hiring black people rather than white people but don't like from what i gathered it's still it's still like um, white people dominate like aspects of the wealth of south africa but i'm not really sure the documentary i watched just immediately spoke about those why people were homeless and moved to camps where um they f- they couldn't get because they couldn't get jobs and all of that, all of that. Now the book portrays fearless women who are determined to achieve whatever they set their mind up to regardless of the obstacle. Now the book is an all-round enjoyable read and it looks like this is not the last we'll hear about V Johnson just like Ada in our in Easy Motion Terrorists and When Trouble Sleeps. And I think the author has a sequel, but I'm not sure of some sort. I'm not sure. I think the book is called The Score. But um we won't be venturing into V's world anytime soon.
Thank you for listening to this episode of NetGang NG. I hope you enjoyed it. Please remember to share with your friends and your family. And you can follow us on our social media on Instagram at NetGangNG and on Twitter at NetGangNG. You can also check us out on our website at www.podpage.com slash netgang NG. You can reach out to us and join our mailing list. Remember to leave a rating and a review anywhere you hear your podcast from. It makes our podcast more visible. Yeah, you can find us anywhere. You can even Google um, NetGang NG and you'll find options for where to listen to this episode. So thank you once again with love from Lagos, Nigeria. Mwah.